So let's pray to, to begin. Lord, I thank you uh, for this day you've given us, and I thank you for all these who have come to be in your presence, to worship you, and to hear your word. Bless each one, Father. Bless those who could not be here today, Lord God, that they might uh, be somewhere where they are too in your presence and are uh, striving and seeking to connect with you. We just give you praise, Lord God, in all things and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so to begin today, I want to do a quick review of, of this thing that we call the Harmony Vineyard Way, which is sort of the way that we do church, or we want to do church, okay? So first of all, uh, if you can follow, if you want to follow from, I guess it's be your left, my right, across, they're up on the wall as well. So number one says, we are a family who desires God's will for our lives. We choose to live out of our true identity as a beloved son or daughter of God and to seek to replace our will with his knowing that the Father always gives good gifts to his children. Number two focuses on our mission, and it says our mission is to make disciples. We believe the best way to do so is by practicing a naturally supernatural lifestyle, obeying the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. We actively look for ways to reach out to our neighbors and to our community. Number three, we understand that our personal growth comes through regular study of God's word and through relationships with other believers. We embrace small groups as our primary means of growing in grace and connecting with each other. Number four, we are committed to ethnic diversity. We believe all churches and specifically our church family should consist of people from every nation, tribe, and people. God's picture of the church in the book of Revelation. Number five, together as a family, we will laugh, cry, struggle, succeed, disagree, and reconcile. And in all things, give glory to God who unites us in our faith. And then finally, and what I have called truth, is our kind of our church scripture, which is from Colossians 3, verse 14, and says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, I, <clears throat> for uh, our time today, I want to come back to the last sentence in the uh, second um, of these tenets, which said this. It says, we actively look for ways to reach out to our neighbors and to our community. Now, that says we. We actively look for ways, okay? So that's all of us actively looking out for ways. That's not me, it's we, okay? And so I say that so that you understand that, that I truly am always interested in any ideas that you may have, you know, in terms of how we might reach our community. And um, I want to give you an example of that. So... Mark and Michelle have been reading a book. <laughs> and this is the book, How to Pick Up a Stripper. And in small print it says, and other acts of kindness. Okay? Now, before you get all weird on me, or them, <laughs> um, 
This book was written by a husband and wife, uh, Todd and Aaron Stevens, and the title of the book comes from Aaron's ministry to um, topless dancers and the employees of, of those kinds of clubs in Nashville, Tennessee. God sort of called her into that ministry, okay? And I mean, she had no idea where to start, but eventually she kind of worked her way um, into it. And so, um, so Michelle, you know, as they've been reading this book, she came to me one day with this idea of the $1 car wash, which I talked briefly about last week. And if you remember the idea, that's where we put up signs. We invite people to come to car wash. We wash their car, but we give them a dollar. Okay, so it's a little bit of a twist on, you know, on that idea. And so this is all part of something that's called kindness ministry or kindness evangelism. And it's not a new idea. Um, and in fact, it was a vineyard pastor named Steve Shogren who founded the Vineyard Community Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, who really popularized this whole term called servant evangelism uh, back in 1993 because he wrote a book that was called Conspiracy of Kindness. And it was Steve's book that inspired Todd, the author of this book, to really uh, begin to embrace and to look at kindness evangelism as a way to do evangelism because, you know, in the book he admits that he was terrible at evangelism and in fact tended to put people off, not bring people to Christ. And so what I want to do today is really to look at what scripture has to say about kindness and then I want to talk about something we're going to do which is called the Love Bomb Initiative. So Let's look at a few places in scripture. And so the first one that I wanted to bring forth was the idea that an act of kindness is intentional. All right. And so if we look in the book of Zechariah 7, 8, and 9, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Okay, so what do some of the commentaries have to say about that? Well, I looked in the Holman Bible commentary, and it said this. It said, rather than outward religious show or religious acts for selfish reasons, we should be motivated to live for God and serve him out of obedience to his word. Of course, our obedience must flow from a heart of love for God. Now, you may have heard the saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, to that, I think we have to add, now I will do it. So, like most of everything else that's in God's kingdom, being kind to others is a choice. And evidently, the Israelites, who this was written to, had chosen not to be very kind. Because if you continue to read past those two verses, we find the following in verse 10. <coughs> Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. <clears throat> and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to listen and turned a stubborn shoulder 
and stopped their ears in order not to hear. They made their hearts adamant in order not to hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. There's a whole lot that we encounter in our daily lives that can cause us to be unkind. If you really think about it. Choosing not to live out of your true identity would be one of those. And that's why we've placed it first on our list. (coughs) That you've got to understand who you are and to live from that place of who you truly are in Christ. So if we're not there, then that tendency to live out of, you know, whatever identity we've chosen that that maybe gets our needs met very largely tends to be a much more selfish identity. Getting too wrapped up in politics, I think, is another thing that can cause us to be unkind. See, a political viewpoint is no reason to forgo being kind to one another. And, you know, we're going to have to live with this through the next 14 months or so you know, this whole political battle. And we can't, you know, you may, you know, listen to the debates, get the information you need to make an informed decision. But don't let it get you so incensed that, you know, you then start to become unkind to anybody who doesn't agree with you. I think if we let our feelings rule our lives, that's another thing that can cause us to be unkind. Anytime we let our feelings sort of have control of things, it's not going to end well in most cases. And I think judging others before you understand their circumstances clearly is a way that we, that fosters unkindness. It's called prejudice and it's not necessarily only racial. It can be directed against any number of situations or people. I'll tell you a little story, and some of you may be familiar with this. There's a man and his wife sometimes who in the past had paraded around Ashland and gone into various stores dressed like a woman. Okay. Now he's taken to riding a bicycle up and down England Street. And for some reason I had never seen him when he was in Target or Walmart, or I know he came into Andre's CVS or a Rite Aid store a few times. Sorry, I know. I don't know why I do that. It's really not to just irritate you, okay? Um, so, you know, you look at this guy and you're thinking, you know, weirdo. But then I was with a group of pastors this past week. And one of them knew this man's daughter. And the daughter had been a member of his church for quite a while until she got so embarrassed that she moved out of the area. And the story behind this is this gentleman, whose name is Kenny, I think, I don't know his last name, was perfectly normal. I mean, was a construction worker, lived a normal life by all accounts, And then one day, 
something snapped. Something changed. And they don't know what. And now all of a sudden he does this. And so, you know, it's an example of where it would be really easy just to kind of look at this guy and, and go, you know, what a degenerate or, or, or whatever nasty name you would want to come up with. But see, we don't know why he's doing that. You know, and it, if it very likely sounds like it could be some sort of a mental, a mental break that he's had. And so, you know, we cannot prejudge him without really knowing his whole story. So we battle against these unkind impulses all the time. And the way we battle against them is by being intentional about being kind. Now, there's a lot of things in life that we have to be intentional about. You know, you have to be intentional about getting up in the morning to go to work or to go to school or wherever. You have to be intentional about actually going to work or going to school or, or wherever. You have to be intentional about doing a good job once you get there. So why not add kindness to that list of things that you're going to be intentional about? It clearly pleases God when we are, and it clearly displeases him when, when we're not. And so that right there on you know, taking at face value seems like a pretty good reason as to why it would be a good idea to be kind to one another. So we have to remember, first of all, that an act of kindness is intentional. It's something that we have to go out and make happen. All right, number two is that an act of kindness produces fruit. And for that, I look to Galatians 5.22, a very familiar verse, I imagine, for most of you. Thank you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what exactly is this fruit we're talking about, or that Paul, in this case, is talking about? Well, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says this. In an ultimate sense, this fruit is simply the life of Christ lived out in a Christian. The first three virtues are habits of mind which find their source in God. So that's love, joy, and peace. The second triad reaches out to others fortified by love, joy, and peace. So that would be patience, kindness, and goodness. And the final three graces guide the general conduct of a believer, or really ourself, who is led by the Spirit, which would be faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. N.T. Wright, in the For Everyone commentary, writes this. The fruit of the Spirit are not things which, if we try hard enough, we could simply do without help, without the Spirit. If you suspect that someone who is being kind to you is having to try very hard to do it, the kindness itself loses its flavor. The point of all of them is that when the Spirit is at work, they will begin to happen and new motivations would appear. Have, have you ever been around someone who was obvious they were trying to like you or trying to be kind to you, or, but they really didn't want to? 
Yeah, I see a few nods. So, I mean, this is not uh, an isolated fact, right? So, you know, it's, you can tell. You, you can just tell when this is going on. And then finally, the New International Biblical Commentary says this. As compared to the striving and straining that is associated with life in the flesh, life in the spirit, on the other hand, blossoms. And the word fruit gives the sense that the characteristics Paul lists in verses 22 and 23 are the result of a healthy, rooted state such as comes from living in Christ. See, when we perform acts of kindness, we're living out Jesus' life in our own lives. Recall what he said in Matthew 23, 34 through 40. I don't have this up there, so you'll just have to listen. And this, too, is a familiar passage, I would think, to many. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, you, didn't, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Everything that Jesus refers to in these verses are acts of kindness. They're all acts of kindness. So we have to remember the second point, which is that it produces a fruit when we're kind to others. It produces that kind of a fruit that is living Jesus' life through us. Now fourth, <clears throat> an act of kindness is evangelistic. And for this, we go to Romans chapter 2, verse 4. <coughs> Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So that's the purpose. It says right there, that's the purpose of kindness. It is to lead someone to repentance, lead them to Jesus. In the uh, Holman Bible commentary, it says this, while the Jews may have wondered why God was so tolerant with Gentiles, the truth is that he was tolerant with them as well. They had failed to recognize that God's kindness is not careless oversight, but is careful oversight as in leading sinners toward repentance. See, the Jews were all, you know, got all uppity about this because they're like, why are you, you know, we shouldn't, you know, we're Jews. We shouldn't care so much about the Gentiles. Well, Paul's telling them that's not the way it works. And that the reason God, God was just as kind to you, Jews, as he was to the Gentiles. 
It's the whole goal of kindness. It's intended to give us that space to repent, not to give us an excuse for sinning. Now, sometimes people get upset with the kindness of God. That's kind of what we see here. It's like when Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, okay, now, all right, now, Jesus, now we've talked about about this forgiveness thing, and I sort of got it, but how many times do I have to forgive someone? Seven? And I mean, I think it's seven. He's like putting it way out there for him. You know, seven? Can't be more than that. Oh, Jesus says, no. It depends on your translation. He says 70 times seven, or some say 77. But in each case, the implication is that it's an unlimited number, right? It isn't, you know... And so you can imagine, I, at least I can, this is how I see things sometimes in scripture. I can imagine Peter, they're going, oh my God. Um, you know, I just can't, you know, these people that I deal with are so boneheaded. They, they you know, after seven times, isn't that enough? Don't you, you'd think they'd get it by then. Well, Jesus, is, that's not what he's saying there. It's very similar to the same attitude that the, the vineyard, the laborers had when, you know, the owner of the vineyard chose to pay the guys that had only worked an hour the same as he chose to pay the guys that had worked all day. You know, we get jealous or we don't understand, but it's the kindness of God. It's God's choice. It's compassion in action. And I think since God is kind towards sinners, that as Christians, that we should imitate God and do the same. And so if we put these three points together, I think we get something like this. When we choose to be kind, it pleases our Father, increases our Christ-likeness, and leads others to Him. Now to me, that's a win-win-win proposition. So I think through this, you can see that we've got a pretty solid scriptural basis to stand on for this idea of kindness as a means to evangelism. And kindness really makes sense because the beginning and ending point of any outreach effort has got to be love. So it's not hard to conclude that the most effective way to reach people for Jesus is through some sort of a kindness outreach, through showing them God's love in a practical way. It's what Jesus modeled, it's culturally relevant, and it values the person that you're dealing with. So, today, I want to introduce something called the Love Bomb Initiative. I know this is a little bit of a bizarre term, but so that you have a little bit better idea of what I'm talking about, I want you to watch this uh, video. It's about a minute and a half. So tonight was the first launch of Love the City, Auckland. So we've been 
out on the street, it's just absolutely blowing them away. It's the random act of kindness. People turn up just to love on people in the city tonight. You're a catalyst, you're a happiness. It's actually really made my night. <laughs> So that's in Auckland, New Zealand, is where they did this. And there's no reason we can't do the same thing. And so what I've done, I've ordered some cards, and this is the front and back. I've got them right here. On the front side, it says something extra to show you God loves you. And then on the back, as you can see, is essentially an invitation to the church. And so these are cards that you can leave with whoever it is that you choose to love bomb. Now, when I say love bomb, what does that look like or what could that look like? Well, here's some ideas for you. Deliver cookies to a neighbor or a coworker with a card. Bring flowers to someone. Offer to babysit for free. Pay for someone's Starbucks coffee behind you in the drive-thru. Or pay for someone's fast food meal who's behind you in the drive-thru. And leave this card with the uh, person in the window and tell them to give it to whoever you just paid for. Send a note of encouragement to someone. Give another driver your parking spot. Give a treat to the postman or delivery person. Leave a big tip for a waiter or a waitress. This is huge. All right, folks, and when I say a big tip, I'm not talking about 15%. I mean, you probably know this, but if you talk to service staff at restaurants, they will tell you that Christians are among the worst tipping group they serve. That's horrible <laughs> that they have that impression. The worst tippers typically are, are those that come in after church on Sunday. This is a way to change that. Leave them 40% in a card. Pay for someone's movie that's in line behind you. Slip a $20 bill to someone that you know is struggling financially. Pay for someone's meal or dessert at a restaurant. Bake some goodies and take them to the police station, fire station, or hospital. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about more about that one here in just a second, so keep that in mind. Take a box of donuts to a school or an office or et cetera. Cook a meal for a neighbor or a coworker. So here's what I want you to do. I mean, and there, this is just a smattering of ideas. I mean, if you look out on the internet, you, you just, I think if you search for acts of random kindness or random acts of kindness, you'll get lists of hundreds of things. 
that you can do. So I'm going to have these cards available. Take one, take a couple, whatever you feel comfortable with. But here's what I'm asking you to do. If, when, all right, let me rephrase that. When you give this to somebody, I want you to take a minute and write me a note telling me what you did. Now, you can send me an email. You can send me a text message. You can write it on a... Um, index card and give it to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to compile, once I get enough of these, a love bomb report. And I will give these to the congregation periodically to let you know how people are out doing this. So um, you don't have to sign your name. In fact, you know, I'm not going to mention names in this report. I'm simply going to mention the acts that people have done to love others on behalf of Jesus. Then, as I said, we're going to do this car wash, and that's going to be next Sunday right after church. So Michelle has been kind enough to put together this clipboard with a sign-up sheet on it. So there's really three categories. You can volunteer to actually wash cars. You can donate money, so that will turn those into the $1 bills that we're going to give to people along with these cards. Or we also want to have a snack table so that while we're washing somebody's car, they can come and get, you know, glass of lemonade, cookie, whatever, you know, the case may be. So I'm going to start this with you, and if you would pass that around. The other thing that I, uh, idea that I came up, or I didn't come up with, I saw it somewhere, and I really want to do this at Christmas time. So we're, this is what we're going to do for Christmas Eve this year. We, ahead of time, are going to put together gift bags. And I don't know exactly, you know, what, what will be in them. Probably some baked goods. I, I know there are probably several of you that feel like shopping is a ministry for you. <laughs> and so if that's the case, then I will send you out to find little things that, you know, can go in these gift bags. So we're going to put these gift bags together. Maybe get some stickers like they had that we can put on there along with one of those cards. And after our Christmas Eve service, we're going to scatter across the area, and we're going to go to hospitals, we're going to go to police stations, we're going to go to fire departments, we're going to go anywhere where someone is stuck working on Christmas Eve. And we're going to love bomb them with these gift bags. So that's the idea. And like I said, any other kind of ideas that, you know, that you come up with or you hear about, I'm open. You know, we would love to hear that just to, uh, uh, you know, whether it's something we can do corporately as a body or if it's just an individual idea that, you know, is really cool, then do it and then I will report on it and it may inspire somebody else to, to try that one. So, to conclude this today, just to give you another example. In 2012, on a cold November night in Times Square, Officer Lawrence DePrimo was working a counterterrorism post when he encountered an older, barefooted, homeless man. The police officer, who is normally assigned to a different section of New York City, said, I looked over and someone was laughing at this elderly, homeless gentleman who had no socks and no shoes. You could see the blisters on his feet from a distance. 
I had two pairs of socks, and I was still cold. So he went over and he asked the man if he had anything to cover his feet. It's okay, sir. I've never had a pair of shoes, the homeless man replied. But God bless you. As the homeless man strolled away, DePrimo caught up with him and asked him his shoe size before walking into a Skechers on West 42nd Street. DePrimo told the workers there, I'd like to bear, buy a pair of boots, something that will last a while. I don't care what the price is. A few minutes later, the kind-hearted cop bought a $100 pair of all-weather boots, size 12. The store manager later said, we, we were just kind of shocked. Most of us New, are New Yorkers, and we just kind of pass that kind of thing by, especially in this neighborhood. The act of kindness would have gone unnoticed and mostly forgotten had it not been for Jennifer Foster, a tourist from Arizona. Foster said, the officer expected nothing in return and did not know I was watching. Her snapshot, taken with her cell phone and posted to the New York Police Department's official Facebook page, made Officer DePrimo an overnight internet hero. As of June 2014, the post had attracted over 600,000 likes and more than 48,000 comments, a runaway hit for the NYPD. Many comments have pointed to how this simple act of kindness has restored my faith in humanity. See, it doesn't take a lot. $100 to that cop was probably a good chunk of money because I know those guys don't get paid all that well. And yet what we're talking about, you know, we all have way more than we need. And so we need to sensitize ourselves to really, to see just what that act of kindness might mean to somebody else. And start to be very intentional about looking for ways to do it. And I'm hopeful that these cards will kind of help with that. That, you know, if you take one of these, then you're going to be looking for an opportunity to use it. I thought of one today. I was, um, I come in early and I get the signs out and then I go over to the Starbucks that's right over in Virginia Center and I just kind of sit there and relax and I look over my notes and, and all of that before I uh, come back over here. And I thought, you know, it would be so Far, evidently, very few people put any money in their tip jar for the folks that work there. You know, any place that has a tip jar, that's typically just not what happens. And I was thinking it would be so cool just to wrap this in like a $20 bill and just drop it in there and see what happens. And, you know, if they don't come to our church, that's fine. That's really not, this is just an invitation. And I, I look at it a lot of the ways that Billy Graham when he did his crusades in cities, always made sure that there was a church or churches that were prepared to follow up on all the decisions that were made for Christ. Because he understood that a decision that was kind of just left 
hanging out there might not result in anything or might not be properly followed through on. And so these churches signed up and they took the cards that were generated from the decisions and they followed up on them. And really this is kind of the same thing. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to show the person that God loves them. But if it touches them in some way, it's like, here's a church that thinks this way. And maybe they'll decide to come and find out more about this odd church that loves people in this really strange way. So let's pray. Father, I, uh, I just know this is from your heart. I know that each time we were, would go out and do something like this, that it just pleases you so much. And so, Father, my prayer is that we as a church will truly embrace this idea and begin to really actively look for ways to hand out these little cards. And I pray that each time it happens, that it will be a, just a tremendous blessing, <coughs> not only to the person that receives it, but to the giver as well. Help us to understand better just how these small acts of kindness can make such a huge difference in someone's life. I can't help but think <clears throat> of the expression of that man in the video. He was overwhelmed. The joy on his face could not have gotten there if we told him a joke or did anything other than just bless him abundantly as those people did in New Zealand. <clears throat> and so, Father, give us that same heart. Give us that same desire. Stir that up in us, that we may come back with hundreds of stories, all emanating from this small church. that we would get the reputation that, oh, well, that's the love church. So bless this effort, Father. We just put it up before you. We ask you to be in all of it. We ask you to begin to point out people and places and opportunities to use these cards. 